God. Before I get into my scripture, I just want to read the scripture again I said earlier. As the heart, as the deer, panteth, thirsties, after the water, so panteth, so thirsty is my soul, after thee, after you, O God. My soul thirsties for you, for the living God. Praise the Lord. Please take your seats. Please take your seats. God bless you this morning, this afternoon. Truly, my soul does delight in the Lord today. I am delighting in his presence, in your presence. You know what I realized about the nature of church, why it's so important? We are like the strings of my guitar. What do I mean by that? We are connected. This, this guitar, this bass does not work unless it's connected. This guitar, like if I was to take a string off there, I could hit it all day, it's not gonna make a sound that you can hear anywhere. The only way it makes a sound that is helpful and useful and beautiful is if it's connected to the body, which is this part down here, or the head, which is this part right here. The string, in order to make a sound, has to be connected to two things. If you connect it to the head without the body, it won't make a sound. If you connect it to the body without the head, it won't make a sound. What am I saying this? Why am I talking about my guitar all of a sudden? It's because I need you to understand something about the nature of yourself. Like, the sound you make is only going to be effective if you're connected to the body, which is the church, and the head, which is Jesus. Like, to make the right and the thing is about being connected, it's not just connection. Because if I loose the strings, it's out of tune. <laughs> I have to tighten it. I have to put the strings under tension. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? I've got to tense up the strings so that they are really tight. Under pressure, if you will. Between both the body and the head. What am I saying? We are these strings that make a sound here. But if we're not going to make the right sound unless we're connected to the body and the head and I need to have a little bit of pressure on me, the right kind of tuning, just so I make the right sound. I love being together with you because I think together we're making the right sound. We're making just the right sound together. It's amazing as a guitarist, one of the things that frustrate me almost more than anything is the idea of a string that's missing. Like playing an instrument and having one string missing, I just don't even want to play. Because, like, I've practiced all day with four or five strings or six strings, depending on what I'm playing, and if there's one missing, I just can't do it right. That thing I want to do is, it's like having half the keyboard missing or half the drums missing. What am I going to do with that? I need to be connected to the body and the head. I need to be tuned just right. I need to be ready and I'm so excited today. So grateful to be in relationship with you, with the church, the body of Christ. That's what I'm in connected to. It's the head, which is Jesus I'm connected to. And I'm so grateful for this relationship. It's important to me. 
It's one that I am shepherding and I am guiding as best I can with the Spirit of the Lord with me. I believe, with us, I believe that we will, in fact, uh, do His will and we will be living according to His purpose. Amen. Man, last week I talked uh, about this idea of eternity in the heart of man. I need to revisit that because as I've been kind of been realizing, uh, not only is there more meat on the bone, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of juice in the bone too. There's a little bit of juice in there as well. You know what, I don't know if you, again, this might be cross-cultural, so in Jama in, in, I had Jamaican parents, so I had a particular way. We used to cook pots, and they used to take time all day. This pot of meat would cook the day before sometimes. Like, and it's not ready till the next day. I'm like, how much cooking is this gonna need? Like, get that meat out of there. What, is, what are we doing? Like, I'm not, I've seen eggs cooked, don't take long. Bacon doesn't take long. Why is that pot taking so long to get right? What are you doing? But then when it was ready, oh, you know what I mean? So sometimes I have to, I do messages, but I know, I know you say, oh, you did it last week. I need to make sure we've cooked it all the way down. Uh, when my wife does chicken and dumplings, I love chicken and dumplings. It takes time. The, the, the all the meat needs to get into the dumplings, all the dumpling needs to get into the juice of the, oh, it takes time. It's not a quick fix meal, but it's worth it. So high hope, you'll start to understand that I'm trying to make sure you got all the aspects of this message, amen? Please be patient with me as I kind of jump into this scripture. We have been in Ecclesiastes, my slide's still up. Ecclesiastes 3. It's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. We had this scripture. We had this scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, 11, um, that we, I wanted to make sure we understood completely. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. Let's go there really quickly. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. This is the Lord speaking uh, through the uh, preacher here, Ecclesiastes or the preacher, and he's telling the, 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 this kind of, this is an interesting uh, book because it asks us to almost look at our life as uh, followers of God, followers of Christ, and look at it and inspect it from a variety of different circumstances. We, we are not, we're not asked to stop thinking, and Ecclesiastes is thinking about his life, what life is, how it can be, where we fit into life, how life sometimes takes us on great journeys up and how sometimes it feels awful. And so he's looking at this and one of the most famous scriptures in, 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 in the Bible is there is a season for everything. We always hear this, especially at funerals. I, I think it's almost a shame because it's a beautiful scripture, even quite aside from the funeral. Let me just read some of that. To everything there is a season and a time for, to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, 
and a time to refrain from embracing. Thank you, Lord. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend, that is tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And then he goes on to say, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboured? If all of this is true, why are we working so hard if we don't have really control over what it's going to be? It's a question the preacher is asking himself. He's looking at himself, thinking deeply. How do I, how do I control what's going to be? And we can't. Let's go down then to verse 11. And this is where the scripture I've been talking about has, is that I believe there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of mankind. There is this gap that is there. And it is the job of the church, this connectedness to the head and the body, to help us fill that gap. Like we won't be able to fill that gap with anything else other than Christ himself. Like you're going to try to fill it and people will try and they will turn themselves into slaves to the thing that they're trying to fill the gap with because it cannot surely do what the Lord's supposed to do for us. That cannot fill the gap in my heart if in fact only the Lord can fill it. So verse 11, let's break down verse 11. We'd have to spend a little time here and I'm missing my slides, but that's okay. But verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. There's a time for everything and the Lord is saying, I'm gonna make everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart, meaning people, humans, mankind, humankind. He has set what the scripture says in King James as the world in his heart. Yes, yes. The world. We're going to get back to the word world in a moment. But he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. It's interesting he's put something in our hearts and even though it's in our hearts we can't understand it it's in our hearts and we can't comprehend it it's in our hearts and we can't wrap our minds or our arms around it I don't know if you've ever really just looked out at the skies I think I mentioned this last week and just thought about the vastness of the whole heavens like how big it must in fact be like, sometimes I do that when I'm, I was on uh, one of the lakes. We were, um, gosh, whichever one's north of New York. Um, we were looking across the lake to Toronto. And I was like, this is a massive body. Massive body of water. Yes, really close to Niagara Falls. This is a massive body of water. How, how much water's in there? Like, compared to, you know, when I run a bath, how much water's in there? And then I thought to myself, well, this isn't even the sea. Like, how big is this? This isn't even comparable to the... Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean, like how much volume is it? Then I say to myself, well, man, the earth is tiny compared to the sun. And like, I'm sitting here looking at the water saying it's big. And then I look at the other water saying that's big compared to that. And it's not even anything compared to the sun. And then I take, and I think about all the stars out there. They're all suns, all shining really far away. 
And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this wonder that we are supposed to see is by design. It's not accidental. That there is a wonder in our hearts when we look at what we see, this is actually by design. <laughs> this is actually by design. Let me just finish reading that scripture and I'll, I'll keep moving here. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world, the world in their heart. Let's look at the word world here. It's important here because that we analyze this a little bit more. I, I explained this last week. But this is the Jewish word, haloam, meaning not just world as we think about the things we see, but everything, like the entire creation. And in fact, it goes a little bit further. It doesn't call it haloam just to call it the world and creation. He means eternity. So if I were to restate this question and read it clearly, it would say, also he hath set eternity in their heart. <laughs> you, you, you ever wonder why people are always trying to magnify that particle even more? Like when we got to atoms, you didn't have to go any further for me. Then they told me they were subatomic particles, electrons and, new, and, and what's the other one, neutrons. Then they said there's smaller ones than that. What are you looking for down there? <laughs> How? And then they sent that new um, telescope out, I forget the name of it and it can see in the deepest parts of the universe. And you sent it even further. And he said, why are you, what are you looking for? There's an eternity, right question, burning deep in the heart. And you think you're gonna find it by looking at the world. But I'm here to tell you, you're gonna find it by looking at the one who created. You understand what I'm saying? There is, don't be upset that you have this mystery part where you're kind of curious about the world. Be curious. That is by design. <laughs> look at the world. Go look at it. Go look at the wonders of the heaven. Go look at the nature. Go look at the stars. Go look at the mountains. It is by design. <laughs> let, me, let me go real quick to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to come back here, but somebody find Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 for me. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. Somebody find that for me really quick. And the yeah. Lord God took the man yes. and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So this eternal God, again, this Genesis story is important yes, because he is bringing into being the universe and the earth and everything we know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he has created man, right? He has created man. But he didn't just create him and then just forget about him. There was specific purpose in mind. Let's just read that verse 15 again. And the Lord God took the man. So after creating his earth, he takes man. And put him in the garden of Eden. And with purpose, put him somewhere. Like, he didn't just make him and set him loose. He made him and put him in a specific place. And for what? To dress it and keep it. He didn't put him there not just in a particular place, but he gave him a particular job and a particular purpose. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. He says, I want you to take care of this. <laughs> I do want you to labor in this space. I want you to look after the thing that I created because it's beautiful. It is good. <laughs> Let's keep going. And the Lord, verse 16, God 
commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Uh, what's interesting here is not only is he giving him purpose, but he's giving him boundaries. You can eat every single tree. What does he say? The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Here's the boundary. Nothing is, is, is off limits to you. Eat anything you want, except for this one tree. That's the only one I don't want you to touch. He's given him a purpose. He's given him a job. He's given him a place to stay. <laughs> He's given him absolutely... The relationship within God and man is, wasn't supposed to be what it is today, which is we just we are living by faith and we have to believe on something that is to come. The initial thing was what Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is supposed to be. I am in his presence and he's giving me purpose. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou yeah. shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, yeah. thou shalt surely die. Right, let's keep going. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help me. So he gave, so he's also the thing about it is the Lord is looking at the condition of man, giving him a job, giving him purpose, giving him boundaries and limitations, and then also says, ah, I want to make sure that you're okay. I don't want you to be alone. I've set up an order with the rest of creation that means there's a male and female and everything. I'm going to do the same for you. Okay. So God is intimately involved with what man is doing how he's doing it, and why he's doing it. And his desire is to meet the need of man in his heart, even if he doesn't say it. He doesn't hear about the man complaining about him, anything. What you hear is God saying, I see the need, let me meet it. Next verse, verse 19, this is where I really want it to be. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, yep. and brought them unto Adam to see what he Slow down on that, really, really slow down on that part. You see what happens here? So let's keep reading one more time. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. So he created everything, right? And what does he do? And every fowl of the air. Yeah, and then does what? And brought them unto Adam. Literally everything he created. This is by design. I keep telling you, what's in your heart is by design. And then he brings them over to Adam. To do what? To see what he would call them. There is a curiosity in Adam, and God is looking at that curiosity in Adam. You don't wonder why you want to be in nature? You ever wonder why you want to look at something and, I just want to see that thing in the wild. You say to yourself, ah, oh, I don't know about the lions. I'm going to leave them alone. I'll see some antelope. That seems safe enough. But there is something in you that wants to see it. It's why we go to the zoo. It's why we, we go to gardens. We want to be there. That's the creation story. Why we are there, what we're doing, is fulfilling that part in us that God put in us. We want to be in gardens. They can't help but put metro parks in Columbus. They want to fund them, and we're saying, happily take my money. Why? Because we want that part of our nature to be satisfied. But there's still something missing because there's no point in being in the garden if you don't have relationship with God. Ah, oh, glory to God. Let's keep going there. Brought unto Adam to see what he would call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was a name thereof. So God honors what Adam calls it. That's right. 
Whatever Adam said it was, God said, that's what it is. It is fascinating to me that the relationship between Adam and man, sorry, God and Adam, is so deep that he wants to see what he thinks about the things he's created. God has already said it's good. He doesn't need approval. He just wants relationship. Oh, I don't need approval. I don't need to co-sign it. I don't need to fix it. I don't need to improve it. I just need you to see how you're going to respond to it. <laughs> and it's not that I'm saying that the thing that's missing with you, um, God also saw that the thing, also think that something else was missing with him, right? And said, let me give you a woman. The thing about this is God didn't say, I'm going to substitute my relationship with you with a woman. I'm going to make sure that everything you need, you have. The part of you that needs a woman, that's going to be good. But the part of you that needs relationship with me, you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> you, you, you see how important it is to have relationship with God? Because it's the thing that's been missing. We can fulfill, you, the, the crazy thing would be, is for us to take a relationship and try to make that substitute what God's relationship with us is. You'd be missing out on everything. I'm telling you something more than missing out, you'd also put pressure on that relationship that it was never designed to take. Like the thing you expect to get out of the relationship is the thing you should be asking for with God in his relationship with him. Gosh, you, you, you put pressure on that relationship to be the thing that God's supposed to be. You put relationship on the kids that, that is only can be fulfilled with God. And you are making the worst mistake by destroying the good thing you have by assigning it to the wrong uh, task. I don't know if you've ever been missing a tool, you're trying to fix something around the house. It says, oh, that will do. I don't have the right tool. But this will do for now. What you end up doing if, is breaking the thing or breaking the tool. It needs a hammer, but I've got a screwdriver. Let me just muddle on. <laughs> I needed a screwdriver, but have a guess what? All I've got is this butter knife. That'll, that'll do for now. You ruin the thing you're trying to fix and ruin the instrument you have. <sighs> he has put eternity in our heart and things that are mortal cannot fix things that are eternity. <laughs> you can't fix the immortal. You can't fix the eternal with something that's just gonna run out. <laughs> Glory to God. Just read verse 19 again for me, please. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field yeah. and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So to gain control, this whole verses that we've seen in Genesis is man gaining control of the world. Right? He's, he's looking at the earth and saying, what can I create? What can I do? What can I make? But don't forget that we are grounded in this idea that, G that the Lord said on the Sabbath, he's, I want to make this holy. Like, I want you to rest. You're not going to get everything you need from working in the ground. Sometimes you've got to rest. We, we, we struggle with this. I know women and men struggle with this. You can't get, you can't even sit still for five minutes. Like, I've got to be doing something. I've got to, who have I got to drive? <laughs> who can I take? Who can I help? 
and you don't want to sit. I'm telling you something though, you've got to learn how to sometimes sit. That's why I've been encouraging the, the, the scripture reading this, this month. I want you to just take time, do it slowly. Read it as slowly as you can. I want you to take time. I said 30 chapters, but I want it just to be time. It's the time I'm mostly interested in. God decided from eternity to come into the, 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 the realm of man to spend time. How does an eternal God, one who is not constrained by time, come in and have a conversation at a moment? It's hard to understand it. Eternity we define as something that lasts forever. That's one way to think about eternity. But another way to think about, think about eternity is something that is not subject to time. Like, for me, time doesn't move. Like, I'm just outside of time. It doesn't impact me. <laughs> it's, an int it's very hard to think about. Imagine you look at a, a piece of string and that string represents the beginning and the end. I can see the whole thing standing here because I'm not subject to the string. That's what time is like for us. We're on the string. We can't get off the string. We can't go back on the string. We're stuck wherever time is. But God's looking at it and saying, yeah, I I'm here, God of everything. I can speak to you at any time along that string. I'm not subject to it, you are. So he takes time from his eternal moment and comes into our moment on that string and speaks to us. Here's the thing about eternity. If he speaks to us from there and he can speak to us there, there's no doubt that whatever he says is true has to be true. Because he's not saying it when I'm hearing it. He's saying it and everything's hearing it. You know when Moses came to, to the Lord and says, they're not going to believe me. Uh, who should I send? Is, who should I say is, is sending me here? And they said, they're not going to believe me. I'm just some dude. They're not going to listen to what I've got to say. And the Lord says to them, says, what should I say your name is? Moses was wanted a name. And the Lord, rather than giving him a name, said this, say that, that the I am sent you. Oh, the I am? A name would have tied him to a moment. Yes. He says this is bigger than that. Yes. A name would have tied him to a time, and I'm bigger than that. Uh, I have to just say that I am, because that's what I am. Don't you know that the God, the same God that was speaking a word to Moses is looking at the same string and speaking to us right now? And you're trying to figure out how the job can fill that gap? How can a job fill that gap? How can a wife fill that gap? How can a husband fill that gap? It's not possible. Make sure you are using the right things for the right hole. Adam absolutely needed a wife, but he absolutely needed relationship with God. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms chapter 8 and verse 3. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. This curiosity doesn't go away just because we got kicked out the garden. <laughs> this curiosity about what life is, who God is and where I sit doesn't go away just because I'm no longer in deep relationship with him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, when yeah. I consider 
David is sitting in the Psalms and saying, gosh, I'm looking around. Yeah, and he's doing what? Consider thy heavens. Yes. The work of thy fingers. <laughs> yes. The moon. Yeah. And the stars which thou hast ordained. So God is looking. Yes. David is now on the other side. He's wondering what God is thinking when he created those things. God in the beginning was saying, what is Adam thinking now that I've created this thing? David is saying, what is God thinking by creating these things? in relationship with each other. Ah, glory to God. Let's keep going. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars, they're so big, so vast, so big and vast, we can barely comprehend the size. If we were to think about what the size of the sun was in comparison to the earth, the, the sun would be about half the size of that entire back wall there, and the earth would be a little bit of a marble in the back way. It's tiny, and yet I'm shocked at the size of the ocean. <laughs> and so David is rightfully saying, when I consider thy heavens, I have to consider how big things are. The work of thy fingers, yes. the moon, yeah. and the stars yep. which thou hast ordained. Yeah. What is man? Yep. That thou art mindful of What am I? Why, why are you thinking about me? Why are you thinking about us? <laughs> why are you thinking about us when I think about how big everything is? Let's keep reading. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Yes. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. He didn't even make him better than the angels. But yet you love us. You didn't even make, you've got creations better than us fundamentally. Already. But yet you've poured your love all on us. Something out there, you've done a better job in other areas. But yet you love us. Let's keep going, read that scripture out. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Yes. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. You gave us, you gave us power and authority over it. You gave us the ability to tell it, some, to train it, to craft the earth. You're trying to figure out how mankind can so quickly and easily create things in the earth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's because he gave us that authority. Let's keep reading. Thou made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands and has put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen. Yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever path through the path of the sea. Oh Lord, yes. How excellent is thy name. How excellent is your name. And as I was going through this, I was reading these scriptures again this week. And what I was imagining was who Jesus is. Because Jesus is that self-same word in flesh. Like, you've got to understand that there's something so wondrous going on. Because he loves us so much that he says, I'm going to fix the problem. Not from here, not from eternity, yes, sir, yes, not sir. while holding the string. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm going to step in yes, sir, yes, sir. right there. Yes, sir, yes, sir. In fact, I'm going to have to let these people know ahead of time I'm coming. <laughs> I'm going to let the prophets know I'm coming. And right here is when I'm going to be born. I'm going to come in on this string and I'm going to help because they can't quite hear my voice from eternity. But if I come in, I'm going to save way more. So he comes in on the string. 
And I was just fascinated this morning. In fact, I had my wife, we were driving here, and I had my wife. I said, could you find that scripture for me where this woman from Samaria talks to Jesus? I was just um, having a moment in the car. Could you, Effie, St. John chapter 4, if you, could, if you could grab it for me. I was having such a moment because I just realized when I was, as I was reading this all week, and I realized who she was talking to. Um, so Jesus, if you probably don't know the story, I'll fill in some of it because um, I'll, I'll, I want you to kind of get where I'm at. Let's start actually with verse 7. Yes. There, come the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said it to her. Jesus is waiting at the well. He's been here. His disciples have gone to go buy meat. And they've gone, gone to buy food. Jesus is resting here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is the one who holds the string. Why do I say that? Because it's important to realize he's not there by accident. <laughs> he's holding the string. Right, so when you listen to every word of this story, he's holding the string. <laughs> Hallelujah, keep going, let's go. Yeah. The guy, the man, the living walking word, who a few moments ago made turn water into wine, I have you remember, is asking this woman, to give me to drink. Do you really think he needs a drink right now? Do you think that's why he's here? Do you think that's actually why he got here is because he's actually thirsty? He's holding. Keep going. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy me. Yes. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. As is the case with all time, there's this kind of racial tension going on in this moment that we cannot deny. And the woman, rather than understand who it is that's asking her to drink, says, I probably don't want to get involved with you. This is a bit too much. Uh, she's saying, ah, we don't want anything to do with each other. We've traditionally never done that. So let's not bother now. But what does Jesus say? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, and who it is that, that saith to thee, give me drink to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. G oh, Jesus is sitting at a well, yes. knowing he's holding the string, yes. Knowing he has more water than she could ever have. Come on, sir. Yes, yes. Knowing that he just turned water into wine. Yes, come on, Knowing that he could probably turn wine into water if he needed it. Yes, preacher. Yes, come on, sir. And now he's sitting here asking this woman for water, and all she can see because she's in the string, she doesn't see the person holding the string, is standing right in front of her. Ah, glory to God. And if you knew what was missing in you, and if you knew what I had, you would ask me for it. If you knew what was missing in you, and this woman was struggling in multiple ways. We find out later in the chapter, she not only has five husbands, she has somebody who she's just hooked up with, who's her current person, her current boo apparently on the side. She tried to fill a hole with five husbands. She tried to fill the gap that was in her heart, but the gap was too big. She couldn't fill it with her husbands. And she came to a well still thirsty. Oh, glory to God. 
She came to a well, Jacob's famous well, and she's gonna, and no matter how much water she draws, she's gonna be as thirsty as she has ever been. Oh my gosh. My Lord. So that's what we have. People who are thirsty and not realizing that the one who has all the water is standing right there in front of you. You're asking all the wrong questions. You're asking about our relationship. You're asking about how I can connect to you. You're saying we're too dissimilar, we can't connect. We're not supposed to be talking to each other. We're too different. You've missed the point. I've got all the water you're needing and you're still asking and still getting ready to draw water you don't need. I want you to understand that what it is we have is access to not just a resource, but the source of all things. We have access to the living water. And if people really knew what it is we have, <laughs> you wouldn't be saying, what can I do for you? You say, Lord, I need you. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. I need the Lord. The thing that's missing with me is just relationship with the Lord. Just read verse 10 for me again. Jesus answering and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I don't know if you've ever been thirsty and drank the wrong thing. Like, your body needed water. Your body absolutely needed, like, water or some kind of, uh, what were those, sports drinks. You needed something, and you went for Coke. Like, it wet, wet your whistle, as my mom would say. <laughs> but it didn't help your thirst. Like, you're still thirsty. And now you're frustrated because you're thinking you're supposed to be satisfied. Go, jump down, uh, read verse 11 for me. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. <laughs> you're not seeing what he has. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Keep reading. Art thou greater than our fathers Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Pause right there for a moment. Remember, he's the one who's holding the string. Yes, sir, right. She's speaking to him about her past, and he's the one holding the string. And he doesn't have to go back. Like, he's the one holding the string. He sees Jacob. <laughs> he knows Jacob. You see what I mean? You don't know who you're speaking to. Keep going. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst. If you again. drink from Jacob's well, you're going to be thirsty. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall Thank give you, him Jesus. shall never thirst. Yes. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Into what kind of life? Everlasting life. Oh my. I'm going to give you water. That is sourced in eternity. <laughs> what is missing? He's going to give it me. The shape in my heart. He says, I'm going to give you a water. You see that? That will spring in you. Because it's sourced in eternity. I'm not going to fill that thing with something that's going to run out in a few minutes. I'm going to give it that eternal living water. May the Lord add a blessing to you all in the name of the Lord Jesus.